Welcome to Artificially Intelligent Marketing, a weekly podcast where we stay on top of the latest trends, tips, and tools in the world of marketing AI, helping you get the best results from your marketing efforts. Now let's join our hosts, Paul Avery and Martin Broadhurst. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Artificially Intelligent Marketing, a podcast for marketers who want to stay up to date on all things AI to help them improve the effectiveness and efficiency of their work. Just me today, Paul Avery, one of your co-hosts. Martin's not with me today. We've been balancing scheduling issues and Martin did a solo cast last week and this week that sits with me. Although Martin was very much kind enough to take us through his tool of the week this week. And so you will find that at the end. What am I going to cover today? Well, we're going to look at some of the news from last week, including... Um, the emergent autonomous scientific research capabilities of large language models. We're going to look at AutoGPT, which seems to be the next evolution of ChatGPT and other tools in terms of being able to perform multiple tasks autonomously. We're going to look at how HyperWrite is teased something similar, but apparently different to solve this similar type of problem. We're also going to look at AWS's announcement, Amazon's announcement, Uh, for a suite of new tools that people can train uh, large language models and other tools using their own data. So in effect, Amazon getting into the generative AI game. Right. So let's get cracking. We'll get straight into it then. Let's talk about the uh, this autonomous scientific research taken uh, undertaken by a large language model. So it was a, a research paper released last week that showed that they were able to develop an intelligent, the researchers could develop an intelligent agent system that was able to, on its own, design, plan, and execute scientific experiments by being given access to different tools. The system itself showed that it was capable of performing fairly complex scientific experiments. Um, In one example, it was able to synthesize compounds like ibuprofen and aspirin And it did that, in essence, by being connected to the internet and able to access a cloud lab. So uh, a remotely accessible scientific lab, a wet lab, controlled through code where the AI could effectively um, control hardware like liquid handling instruments and and things like that. So what does this mean? It means that the researchers were able to, in effect, provide a brief to a large language model, give it access to the internet so it could gain additional information about the problems it was trying to solve. In this case, the goal was chemical synthesis. So they also gave it access to this virtual, well, this real life wet lab that could be accessed virtually. And the system based on its prompt could go and synthesize molecules. So that's kind of an exciting insight into how people are really starting to think, how can we use these tools to do cool stuff outside of just asking them to do research or write blog posts or answer questions? And in this case, the large language model was able to understand the input that the researchers provided and then go ahead by accessing things in the real world through APIs that connected them to this wet lab to actually synthesize chemicals. As you might imagine, this has pretty major implications, safety implications. Um, in this case, the researchers asked the AI to construct chemicals, well-known chemicals that they wanted, like aspirin, 
but what's to stop someone asking it to make you know toxic chemicals in this way question mark the other thing is and maybe this is getting a bit terminator style now do we really want to be giving ai agents access to things in the real world like this do we really want to be giving tools the opportunity ai to go start synthesizing things in the real world in this case chemicals but you could also imagine giving ai access to a 3d printer and then it could take a brief or you know what happens if it starts iterating and changing the brief and then 3d printing things in the real world as well so as a proof of principle really exciting really cool really interesting we made martin and i really step back and think wow we only had ChatGPT launched in December. GPT-4 is, what, four or five weeks old? And now we're looking at a large language model that can synthesize chemicals. It's kind of a little bit mind-blowing, really. In terms of what this means for marketers, perhaps in of itself, not a great deal. But I think it's important for us to really understand how fast language, large language models and their emerging capabilities are being tapped for things outside of the initial use cases that we saw. And as a part of a fairly handy segue on that topic, the next thing we're going to look at is auto GPT. So the next big thing in GPT, probably until next week when some other crazy thing happens. But this kind of builds on the research project I just described, because in this case, auto GPT is in essence a tool that you can brief to achieve a task that requires multiple steps. So rather than asking a simple question or providing a fairly simple brief like we do to through ChatGPT, for example, in essence, what you could do is you could ask the tool to achieve an outcome and then either you can provide it with a series of actions that it that you feel it needs to go through, or you can ask it, what actions do you think are going to be required in order to achieve this goal that I've asked you to achieve? So to try and bring this to life, a couple of examples that have been floating around the, the Twitter sphere. One user said, uh, also GPT was trying to create an app for me, recognized that I didn't have Node, Googled how to install Node, found a Stack Overflow article with the link to, to Node, download it, extracted it, and then spawned the server for me, where all that person did was just watch, right? And this is a good, a good example of how you didn't have to fully brief AutoGPT on every step it needed to do to solve the problem. It was capable of being more resourceful than that, to be honest, and, and figuring out how to, how to do it itself. In another example, Somebody called Sully Omar um, provided a really nice series of tweets about an application for, for AutoGPT that they used, where um, Sully says, I pretended to be a fake shoe company and gave AutoGPT a simple objective, do market research for waterproof shoes, get me the top five competitors and give me a report on their pros and cons. So first of all, it went straight to Google to find the top five waterproof shoe reviews. Once it found the links, it created questions for itself like, what are the pros and cons of each shoe? What are the pros and cons of each top five shoe? Top five uh, waterproof shoes for men? And started to collect and, and analyze this information. It continued to analyze the various sites, Sully says, with a combination of Googling, updating its queries until it was happy with the results. Here's an example of when it thought critically during this process. It knew that some of the re reviews could be biased or fake so it had to find a way to validate the reviewer. 
It even spawned its own sub-agent to carry out a task of analysing the websites. There were a few times, Sully says, when it got stuck um, and there was no text f file, um, it was able to figure out how to fix the issue all by itself. And the result, a pretty detailed report of the top five waterproof shoe companies with their pros, cons, and a nice conclusion summarising the report. Oh, and it only took eight minutes at a cost of 10 cents. So that is another fantastic example of how people are using AutoGPT to carry out more complex briefs that require the agent to ask questions, make decisions, carry out their, its own research by perhaps accessing the web. Absolutely fascinating stuff. So how does this work? Well, it's kind of like ChatGPT on steroids. And rather than just having a conversation, you can actually give it a brief and it takes a bunch of actions. And it does this by a, a series of sort of upgrades to, lab, uh, to, to GPT. So it has access to short and long-term memory to be able to remember some of the outcomes of some of the tasks that it took. Obviously, it's got access to popular websites and platforms. Um, it can search Google. It's also got access to the Pinecone API to give it a, a, um, more amounts of vector-based memory. It has speech to text capabilities. It can do image generation. So this is how this is much more powerful and clever than than just GPT. I've been trying to play with it and I have not been able to get great results yet. It sort of gets stuck quite easily in terms of my my control of it. And I also have to say, I haven't been using AutoGPT itself because it's a little bit tricky for non-marketers to install. You need to visit GitHub, install the necessary files, access it via command prompt. I don't think it's super hard if you follow some of the online tutorials about how to do this, but it might be hard enough for those of us that think that see the word Python and get um, get chills down our spine or we're like, oh my goodness, I have to open up the terminal and start running commands. I'm not sure... Uh, how keen I am to get into that either. But that's why I was using some browser-based implementations of this, and several have popped up. So there's cognosis.ai and godmode.space. And in essence, they have brought, at least as far as I can tell, a decent chunk of AutoGPT's capabilities to a browser-based interface where you can drop your um, your prompt in and then basically run AutoGPT without having to install it all on your machine. So I would recommend that people who are interested in this stuff and trying to think about how they could give AI more complex briefs to help them achieve more complex projects actually have a play with this. We're drifting ever closer to an assistant that can do more than just answer simple questions or produce short form content like blog posts. A bunch of examples I've given already, but a few other things that have been flowing around the web is to have it do market research and create a business plan, ask it to gather data and stats from the web and summarize as a report, find and compare products from various websites as sort of akin to one of the examples I've just recently gave and also automating customer service inquiries and responses by giving the tool access to data about products etc so yes a very interesting development and again all of this has happened since GPT-4 was launched about four weeks ago and ChatGPT was just for Christmas the speed here is insane now there is one word of warning for those of you that want to go run off now and um, start playing with AutoGPT. Certainly the browser-based tools that I was playing with, I think they got overloaded pretty quickly. It was probably costing them a fair bit of money. And so now if you want to access them, you have to provide your own OpenAI API key. I'll try and say that after a few runs. 
Um, in essence, what this means, you have to log into your OpenAI account. You have to go to where you can generate your own API keys, which is like a string of numbers and letters that's unique to you that allows you to access the system almost through the back end, if you like. And you have to then paste that key into one of these tools. There's a certain amount of trust that comes with doing that. Plus accessing the OpenAI API is something you have to pay for. So you'll have to put some cash uh, on your credit within OpenAI. I have heard that the system can absolutely eat OpenAI credits for fun. So just be prepared to keep an eye on that. You might find you burn through cash a bit faster than you might have expected. I don't think we're talking thousands of dollars here. Plus, you know, you have to put credit on uh, there like an old school mobile cell phone where you'd put $10 of credit, £10 of credit on your phone. And when it was gone, it was gone. So I think as long as you set it up like that, you're not going to end up going crumbs. I've just spent $5,000 on this, which I think would be pretty hard anyway. But just something to keep in mind if you plan to trial using these systems. On a related note, for those of you that use generative AI writing tools, one of the um, interesting tools in the space is called HyperWrite. And HyperWrite team uh, announced on Twitter this week that they're testing an AI agent that, you, that can use the internet like a human. So in the example that they show, it orders a pizza from Domino's with a single command, and it's like a, it's a Chrome plugin. So it just basically browses the web and interacts with websites based on the command that you give it. So if you are a user of HyperWrite, you can um, get on the waiting list for this because they're providing early access to some of their users. So you just um, log into your into your account and uh, and ask to be added to the waiting list or create account and ask to be added to the waiting list. The system promises that if you just describe what you want it to do, it will automatically operate Chrome for you to achieve your task. I have not had a chance to play with this yet. So I do not know how buggy or powerful it is, but you could imagine that it could be really powerful for automating tasks that are more complex where you have to be able to browse different websites. Um, the market research examples from before spring to mind, not that I'm advocating it, but also the potential to scrape content from the pages of many websites and then interrogate that content through large um, through natural language questions could be another example. The team on Twitter said that they could imagine anyone doing anything from booking flights to ordering food to researching complex topics and having the system manage their email. So when we get a chance to play with it, we will report back on how good or not good it is compared to how good it sounds, which it certainly sounds really, really good. Um, for marketers, I think get yourself on the waiting list and have a play because this is another one of those things could you automate with the system staying abreast of what your competitors are doing by monitoring their websites? And when they put a new product up on the website, perhaps there'll be some mechanism by which you can trigger an alert or have it added to a spreadsheet or something. That's not clear to me yet, but I think that would be pretty cool. You could do the same things for things like conducting brand sentiment analysis, um, maybe doing clever things with Google alerts, who knows? So I think one to watch and to have a play with if you get a chance. Next story, we're going to talk very briefly about Amazon. So Amazon, where have you been during the whole uh, generative AI and wider AI explosion of the last few months? Well, the answer would appear to be they have been busily buzzing in the background. Another thing that would probably be hard to say after a couple of runs. Um, they have released their Amazon Bedrock which is a service that provides access to what they're calling foundational models for generative AI, which includes models from 
AI21 Labs, Anthropic, Stability AI, and Amazon slipped their Titan model in there at the same time. Bedrock, they are claiming, is a scalable, reliable, and secure AWS managed service where customers can customize models by pointing Bedrock to label examples um, within the Amazon Cloud. So, in essence, if you are using Amazon's uh, AWS or you're using um, cloud tools from Amazon and that you're hosting data there, one assumes that you will be able to leverage Bedrock, uh, especially if your data is somewhat labeled or organized in some way, to, in essence, create your own chatbots or other large language model-driven model tools that lean on the large language, natural language processing abilities that come from these large models, but that is trained on your own data. So something that would instantly spring to mind for me is something like a, to be able to build your own knowledge base for your website that was a chatbot instead of a bunch of web pages because you could train you could train bedrock based on that. Um, one assumes that it wouldn't be that hard to train bedrock on data that wasn't already on uh, AWS cloud system as well. But to be honest, I have to dive a bit deeper into that to really figure out what we can do. But it's certainly worth looking at if you are interested in creating LM, LLM-based tools like chatbots, but that you want there to be able to answer specific questions on your own data information and content. For example, if you've got a bunch of products and you're an e-commerce store, or if you've got a large knowledge base or lots of technical documentation that you want to be able to provide easier access to your customers in a way that they could just ask it through natural language. Martin was the first one to um, to bring this to light, he shared it with me on the Amazons, and, and he's sent over a few thoughts here um, that this is a really exciting marketplace for foundational models, that developers building on AWS can now easily choose to integrate some of the best foundational models on the market into their existing applications that they've built on AWS, because of course, it's not just websites and things that live on AWS, it's also apps and other software tools. I don't think Martin thinks that Titan as, as Amazon's own model is going to contribute anything above what we've already seen. I think it's more the ease of access to a range of different models that's exciting here. Um, and that when he looks at, um, at, at how this is going to emerge and develop, he's not sure that Amazon are as confident in their offering as OpenAI and Microsoft who are forging um, really far ahead. So I think Amazon's move here is about time probably. It's going to be one to watch we don't get the feeling that they're on the cutting edge here. They're probably trailing, especially because mostly they appear to be leveraging the power of other people's models. Right, last story for this week, which is that Google CEO Sundar Pichai warns society to brace for the impact of AI acceleration. So um, Sundar was on an interview with CBS's 60 Minutes um, on Sunday, and in it, he hinted that society isn't prepared for the rapid advancement of AI. Warning of the consequences, he said AI will impact every product of every company. A little bit of a pause just to let that set in there because I think 
that is the scale of how we have to really start and to think about this as marketers and as business people. Um, when you think about some of the things we've featured on the podcast recently, we spoke a few weeks ago about how a large um, collection of tech experts called for a six-month AI development hiatus, you know, stop launching um, and um, bringing to market new AI uh, developments. We also looked at OpenAI's research paper on the impact of AI on the labor market, where they predicted that as many as one-fifth of the workforce could have half of their tasks affected by AI. And so what we see from here is that Sundar is continuing on this theme, accentuating the need for society to carefully consider and plan for the imminent, imminent impact of AI on society. So the take-home message here for us is the people in the know continue to have serious concerns about the impact of AI on society, especially the labor market. Now, what does this mean for marketers? Our thoughts here um, on the podcast are that the genie's out of the bottle on this one. We don't see this slowing down anytime soon, as we've mentioned on previous podcasts. And as a marketer, we feel for all of us, our best recourse is to stay on top of the topic play with the tools as they become available and become an expert on using AI to augment your work. And it really is still augmentation, right? Many of the tools are very powerful. We've talked a little bit about AutoGPT today, but they are still massively capable of hallucination and producing junk. There's loads of examples where AutoGPT just gets stuck. So I really do think human in the loop is still going to be critical and what, where we're going to add the value here is by augmenting ourselves. So we need to learn to get really good at prompting these systems, thinking of smart things that we want done. So there's the creativity aspect of that. And then learning how to prompt the system to actually get what we want. And then I think it's about bringing your expertise to double check the outputs you get to make sure it's not full of um, errors, lies, hallucinations, the type of thing that will be mistakes that we just none of us can afford to have in reports or content or anything that we produce there's also the copyright aspects that we need to keep an eye on here as well of course that we've talked about on previous podcasts but i do think the way to resist the challenges here is to figure out how you're going to use ai to augment yourself and that this ai human collaboration um is where the magic's going to be so whilst there's quite a bit of fear-mongering to this, um, and there's been quite a bit of debate on Twitter and LinkedIn about the fear-mongering aspects, just practically speaking, these tools can probably help you be more effective, your team be more effective. And I think your job and our job in marketing is to figure out how we can le leverage them to maximize our impact rather than perhaps fearing they're going to take our jobs, how are we going to work with them to be even more efficient and effective and effective in what we're doing so that is artificially intelligent marketing news for this week from here um, we're going to transition into tool of the week and then after that we should be back to normal hopefully next week and uh apologies for the lack of witty or less than witty banter but um next week i promise you we'll be back talking about how poor derby county are how depressed Martin is about it. And I will continue to tease him mercilessly for those that have uh, been enjoying that part of the podcast. Right. We look forward to getting back into our normal cadence next week. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, share it with other marketers in your network if you think they benefit. We look forward to seeing you all next week. This week's tool of the week is ClipDrop. 
brought to us by Stable AI, the company who created Stable Diffusion, the open source text to image generation tool that many of us will have been using. Now, ClipDrop is available through clipdrop.co and it's an online interface that's very easy to use and it's all powered by the Stable Diffusion image generation model. So what makes it different from the Stable Diffusion model that many of us will have been using? Because we can actually use Stable Diffusion in loads of tools already. For example, Canva's own text-to-image generation tool is, in fact, powered by Stable Diffusion. Well, what makes ClipDrop different is the fact that they've put together a handful of tools. In fact, it's about nine or ten tools they've put together that you can do more than just generate images from text with. Of course, you can generate high resolution images with a simple text description, but they've really taken the power of Stable Diffusion and given it some very specific applications. For example, you can clean up images. You can upload a photo, maybe it's a photo with a coffee cup in the foreground that you want to get rid of, and just by masking it off, you can say clean up and then it will get rid of that image blending it perfectly into the uh, the rest of the, the image. It's very similar to Google Photos magic eraser feature. You've also got the remove background, which is pretty much as uh, you would expect. It takes out the background from an image and gives you a very neat cutout of the object that you wanted to get. Very similar to what you'll have seen in Canva already. And you'll, these tools are available online. Uh, as standalone features themselves, I think they don't have <laughs> much of a future based on how readily available these AI-powered cutout tools uh, are these days. There's also a, a relight feature, which is quite a neat one, I think. It allows you to basically add a lighting studio to photos that you've already taken. You can relight your images Maybe you've taken a portrait photo of someone and you want to add a bit of side lighting uh, that you didn't have the opportunity to do when you took the photo. And you can do that and it works really well. Uh, but one of the tools that I think is particularly useful for, say, marketing agencies is uh, the text remover, which will remove text from any image. So if you've got a billboard that you've got a photo of and you think it looks great and you could maybe drop in a client mock-up on this billboard but it's got some text on it you can just upload the photo into ClipDrop, and at the touch of a button it will remove all of the text from that image giving you a nice clean space where you can then add your own campaign graphics straight into the image the other thing you can do is the replace background tool and this is where it combines the text generation that we've seen through stable diffusion with a new capability so you will add in for instance a product photo maybe it's a in fact the example they give on the website is a bottle of wine you add in your your photo and then you want to type in a cozy marble kitchen and it will drop that image straight into uh drop that bottle of wine straight into a marble kitchen marble worktops and, and what have you so for creating product mockups, uh, great for e-commerce, it can be uh, implemented really quickly. If you've got a photo that you 
like, but you're not quite happy with it. Maybe you want to see a few variations. They've created the Stable Diffusion Reimagine tool where you can upload an existing image and it will basically remix new images that are very similar. Now, looking through the website, I actually thought it was quite interesting, some of the examples that they provided, because there is one example uh, which has like a living room scene with sofas and chairs in the original image and some coffee tables, and then it shows you some remixed versions. Now, I must say that the remixed versions that it shows in the demo are not great because you just have to look at them for a couple of seconds to realize that the chair legs have you too many legs and the table and the chairs seem to be merged into one another. Um, so at least uh, Stability AI are kind of showing off the reality of working with these models. You know, they, these image generation tools are not perfect. They still struggle with uh, counting chair legs and making sure that furniture would realistically balance in the real world. And of course, they still struggle with the number of fingers that people have on their hands. But overall, I think ClipDrop is a pretty neat tool to play around with. If you've never played with the text-to-image tools, then this is one of the better ones out there to get started with for free. You can have a play with it. The pricing is is, is pretty good. Like I say, you can get started for free. There is a uh, maximum size image that you can work with at the free tier. For instance, uh, the background removal, you can work up to, I think it's 1024 by 1024 max. So fairly small images. And the image upscaler is a two times upscaler. Uh, uh, there is a Android and iOS app, although I haven't tried either of those at this stage. I was just playing around with the uh, the web interface at this point. If you want faster generations and you want unlimited capability so uh, unlimited background removal if you want unlimited um, cleanup pictures and web editing and, and what have you uh, it's five pound a month so it's really competitively priced i think that's a, a an incredibly good plan if you are a developer and you're looking to integrate stable diffusion and some of these capabilities into your your product it does have an api as well so I think really um, what Stability AI have done with ClipDrop is made the stable diffusion model very, very accessible to everyday users. Rather than having to subscribe to some obscure tool or try to hack something together using uh, an API if you're not a developer or even because it is open source, you can download the model and install it and run it on your own uh, your own servers uh, you don't have to do any of that you can just use this web interface and it feels like uh, this is a very easy way for people to get into using ai powered image generation and image editing so yep that's my tool of the week clipdrop.co go have a play with it if you're interested in image generation and image editing and you're interested in seeing where stable diffusion is likely to go next because clearly Stability AI are putting a lot of focus into this foundational model. Thank you for listening to Artificially Intelligent Marketing. To stay on top of the latest trends, tips, 
and tools in the world of marketing AI, be sure to subscribe. We look forward to seeing you again next week.